In a high-tech world where people have ever-increasing courage to sit behind a screen and dole out opinions without consequence, comes three heroes prepared to fight back through the safety of our microphones and digital airwaves. You've got one star for us? Well, we've got three stars for you. Here comes Three Stars Podcast, ready to dish it out. Who did you have a good interaction with this week? My bed. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Purple Mattress Company. <laughs> Get your workout in. Hey, welcome to Three Stars Podcast. How are you today? Is that rhetorical? Fine, Fine. don't ask me. <laughs> no, I was waiting for them to answer back, but they don't want to answer. My name is Samantha. I'm one of your hosts. I'm here with my two wonderful bros, Brad and Bill. Deciding which one who I wanted to say first. I Hi. usually go with Bill. Hi, I know. I, I was know. first. I was yeah. listening. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We greatly appreciate all of our listeners who support us, send us memes, listen, give us the 411 as to what's going on in the service, hospitality industry, as well as Yelp reviews. Um, today, we're going to be uh, talking with somebody, a guest, who we've actually been trying to get on the show for how long, Brad? I, I think we've been shooting, well, we've talked about it for six months. Yeah, it's been quite a while. <laughs> quite a while. Uh, but this gentleman has got quite a list of accomplishments. Accompaniments? Yes, accompaniments. <laughs> under his belt. And just to name a few, he's a certified sommelier. Did I say it right, Brad? No. Nope. Did I? Sommelier. There's no, there's no N in there. Sommelier. So no, get, the, get rid of that. Sommelier. Sommelier. And I took French in high school. Woo, je ne sais pas. Yeah, oui, oui, je ne sais pas. He's a graduate of the Bar 5 program, president of the Colorado Bartenders Guild, is the treasurer of Eat Denver, the co-founder of Proof, which is a bar consulting company, a former employee of Linger and Williams and & Graham, both very prestigious restaurants here in Denver, and was the owner of two of the restaurants that we will be reviewing in our episode today. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Chad Michael George on the show. Chad, hi. Hello. Hello. I know. I hear clapping in my, in my head. I'll, <laughs> I'll insert clapping. I know. Please um, do. I heard an air horn. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The Jamaican horn was a really big thing in I our first it. season. I know. It's terrible. How are you today? I'm great. Good. Uh, thank yeah. you. Thank you for being on the show. We greatly appreciate it. I'm so happy to it. finally be here. Yay. Okay, good. Um, what's what's funny is that uh, two episodes ago, I think, I shouted you out. I you, I heard that. Ah, uh-huh. not the episode that I was really drunk in. For those I heard of that you, one too. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that again, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I was smashed uh, for the Derby episode. I. Why are you telling them the truth? Why yeah. I lied the whole episode I, and covered I'm for you. So oh, shoot, I was like, let me see this edible. I I had an edible the night before because I had a migraine, and then I was very out of it at work, and then I had one beer at a friend's birthday party and came home and had a 9% beer, not knowing it was 9%. So I apologize to everybody, including you, Chad Michael George, for... Uh, sounding very human. sloppy. Yeah. <laughs> sloppy. Yeah. I thought it was some yeah. of our best work. Apolo- <laughs> apologize for your humanity right now. <laughs> Anyways, all right, enough about me. Um, Chad, really quickly, I've, I, I have this internal battle uh, quite often when uh, running into you and hanging out with you. Are you Chad Michael George? Are you Chad? Are, who, what do you prefer? Are you the notorious CMG? Because uh, Sean not, Kenyon is Sean motherfucking Kenyon. It's so. true. Um, honestly... 
it's whatever you feel. I am anything but Chadwick. That's not my name. It's never been my name. Who calls I hate it. You can call me Chad. (laughs) CMG seems to be more common than anything now, which is just so weird. Like I was, I was never even Chad Michael George until Facebook. And when I first signed up for Facebook, when my sister who was in college got me to sign up for Facebook, I don't know what I did in the process, but my screen name, my banner was Chad Michael George. And I just turned into Chad Chad Michael Michael George George from Chad George which it's better, so I'm cool with it, but it, yeah, it's... I, it works out for me, because also working at Linger, I had another friend named Chad, mm-hmm. so it helped to distinguish for me the different Chads that were working there, and then there's another other Chad in the industry, I mean, like, they're... Yeah. Well, and Cucumber Mint Gimlet and CMG, I mean, like, I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> I think that works. If anybody <laughs> <laughs> I, I I did on my way over here as well. I often I not often I did wonder are you CMG? Um, That's what I and, would do. And yep. I, is I, it's your name. I'm huge about names, especially with the younger generations and how they're changing their names often. Right. Uh, Laser wolf. And trying yes. Trying to be respectful, so if you're okay with Chad Michael George, yeah, that's who I've known you as. It's just like one, it's one name, Chad Michael George. Chad Michael yeah. George. No spaces. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Samantha Bolte Woods. You know, prob- three names are big; they're huge. It's probably also his Wi-Fi password at his house. <laughs> all, all one word. Capital I will see. I, I will have you know, my Wi-Fi password is Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my network is it burns when IP. Oh. <laughs> Is that is that really it? Because actually, it, it really one, is. okay, because one of our That's neighbors, hysterical. one of our neighbors had that as his network. Also, yeah, really? my girlfriend was so was upset about it that I made the password something that she loved because uh. she was like just beside herself that our network was called it burns when I pee. <laughs> Awesome, though. Yeah. Good job. I like that. <laughs> uh, okay, so please go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, sometimes TikTok. I still haven't really gotten there yet. I have all these video ideas, but it's just really tasking and exhausting even thinking about them. But Facebook and Instagram for sure. Go ahead and give that thumbs up, that little heart, the like, whatever you want to do. Make sure to share, 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 because sharing is caring. And go ahead and hit the subscribe button on your podcast platform, wherever you listen to, uh, to us. Do we have any shout-outs today, gentlemen? Uh, yeah, I've shouted them out before. I'm shouting out Todd Bellmeyer. Todd is the head brewer at Wincoop. Woo-hoo, Todd! And at one of my new jobs, I've been tasked with coming up with some uh, – some cocktails on draft that involved carbonating things. Mm. And I have never carbonated things before, not even in like the little canisters or anything. I mean, I've done whippets, but I don't think that really counts. <laughs> um, carbonating your brain. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you get that really deep voice. Um, but yeah, so I, um, I've been reaching out to him heavily about how to carbonate this out of the other thing, what pressures work best. And anyway, he's been a huge help in in, uh, in cheering me on and getting me to figure it out. We should talk about this later. I've carbonated a lot of cocktails for festivals. Oh, yeah, right I, on. I, I yeah. too have done a lot of whippets. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. Bill? Um, shout out Jackie Wild, our Jackie. hopefully new <laughs> social media person. I myself have clocked back in on social media, so I'm sorry or you're welcome for that. Uh, but yeah, Jackie, she's uh, starting her training on Casa Benita today, so we're all very excited about that. Casa Benita. 
We're going to get the tea on that place. Oh, yeah. Yes. We're going to get all the insider information. It's going to be so much fun. Ch- uh, Chad Michael George. Uh, yeah. I want to shout out Alex Jump, uh, who has a great organization called Focus on Health, FO Health. And we threw a fundraiser here last Monday and raised over 12 grand for oh. mental health awareness oh. and uh, treatment for the hospitality industry, considering all the crazy stuff that's happened around here lately. Mm-hmm. So um, really excited to to help Alex raise a bunch of money for some people that can, that's can awesome. put it to good use. That's great. $12,000. That's, that's yeah. a good And chunk when of you change. say here, uh, so Samantha, your shout out has to do with what does here mean? We get to record at a lovely, very swanky bar uh, in Tennyson uh, called the Crow's Nest. Uh, it is, it's actually, I had no idea what it was uh, until I walked in last night, and it is golf themed. You have cute little lockers on one side, you have a golf simulator on the other end of the restaurant. It has a very nice bar uh, with Lots of beautiful bourbon hanging out and, oh, some good Amaros. And uh, it's it's new. How old is the Crow's Nest? We Chad? opened in mid-December. So, so you're brand making new. Yeah, an expansion of downstairs. South Broadway Country Club is kind of the oh, parent. Okay. Um, but the Crow's Nest is a reference to the upstairs at Augusta National, which is where mm-hmm. amateur golfers get to stay when they play in the Masters because they aren't making money. So they literally get to sleep in the clubhouse uh, above the clubhouse in the crow's nest and that's that's why we that's why we call this lovely place the crow's nest that's awesome and i actually googled why you know why crow's nest and that's exactly what it said you know i was expecting more of a pirate vibe (laughs) got me a crow (laughs) on my shoulder Uh, i'd also like to shout out our bartender that we had last night uh, katie lynn she was fabulous she made our evening she's sweet as can be um very knowledgeable, uh, down to earth, just talked nice. about real stuff. Yeah, really, and didn't <laughs> didn't have that annoying like whiny voice that some female bartenders have. <laughs> that drives me nuts. So coming, she's coming from awesome. a female Glad bartender, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's she was lovely. So we also uh, had an experience before, before we got at here at another establishment, and I just <laughs> I was not happy at all. So Kate, Katie really did. She was the the whipped cream, the sprinkles, around. and the cherry on top of the sundae. She was amazing. Um, and anyone who is in the Denver metropolitan area, come on down to the Crow's Nest. Check it out. Check out South Broadway Country Club, Country Club as well, yep. the, the flagship. Okay, before we make our way <laughs> into these reviews little inside joke for <laughs> us here. We're going to we're going to start with a, a drink. Brad, what are we drinking today? So there were two things that led to this. Uh one is that Bill has been saying for months, corpse survivor, corpse survivor, corpse survivor, <laughs> and it turns out Bill has no idea what's in a corpse survivor. <laughs> I do <laughs> too. But this is our 13th episode of season 4, so Bill wanted like a, you know, a like lucky number 13 type of a thing. Uh and then we, um, I, I didn't actually want to do a corpse survivor, <laughs> uh, but I did something that's kind of like a, I guess it's a, if a corpse survivor in a last word had a bastard child, uh, and I'm, oh. I'm calling it the witch doctor. I like it. Witch doctor though. Yeah. Are, are we going to use the three stars rum or? We're actually not using the plantation <laughs> three stars. We talked about it, but uh, but no, we're not going to use the plantation three stars. And ladies and gentlemen, this is our 100th episode, so it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, our 100th 100. full episode. Oh, I know. It's That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. It's, can we believe that we've actually 
gotten this far. Okay, so Chad Michael George, we jump into reviews. You yes. are more than welcome to read if you want. You don't have to. Okay. Um, these restaurants are from you. Yeah. These were your restaurants, the way back these two are. And uh, if you want to take it away, go for it. Sure. Okay. Uh, one star, Google, six years ago. Due to the awful response from the owners of this establishment, I'm downgrading my generous rating. I was willing to give them another shot, but not anymore. Previous review, this place is pretty good. The food is good, but not great. The portions are not tiny, but not particularly shareably large. The drinks are inventive, but not amazing. The service was a bright spot. So yeah, pretty good. Ouch. Well, what was the yeah. response is what I want to know. Yeah, and yeah, it wasn't I, there. I don't know why it's not there, because I... Definitely, we definitely didn't take it down. Uh, I remember this review. I remember most of the reviews pretty thoroughly, but mm. this was a two-star review originally. So his oh. his generous rating of two stars wow. was downgraded to one. Um, <laughs> Douchebag. And that's my response was centered around that. I I said something along the lines of, you know, thanks so much for taking the time to review us. Uh, I only wish that you had said something while you were still in the restaurant so huh. we could make this situation a five-star experience for you. Two stars is unacceptable, uh, you know, for our standards. And, you know, we're really sad that you feel that that was a generous rating and wish we would have had the opportunity to right the wrongs, blah, 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 blah. And then immediately downgraded us to one and, uh, we ceased communication after that. That's just it's probably best. Yeah. Probably, probably wise. Uh, yeah, a generous two-star rating. Mm -hmm. What a pompous ass yep. we have here. Somebody who thinks his shit don't stink. Um, the place is pretty good. The food is good, but not great. The portions are not tiny, but not particularly shareable large. The drinks are inventive, but not amazing. This person is a backhanded complimenter. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and in my opinion, why did you even bother? You know, why did you even bother to write a backhanded review i it that just you're two-faced yeah you know um i don't i don't appreciate that bill what do you think oh i just want why do uh why do portions have to be shareably large i don't know why i'm fixating on that but it just seems silly to me like yeah that's a great point it's uh <laughs> i mean the uh, we're definitely one, we were one of the more expensive places in the neighborhood but we made no uh no bones about it you know we were very conscious about where we were sourcing our food from and um you know we had a very specific vision and um yeah the 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 plates the menu was broken down into small and large plates so if i'm guessing those portions he's talking about were from the small plates because the large plates was like you know a half roasted chicken so <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, but I want the full chicken. Why can't you give me a full chicken? I, you know, we can. That's just got to ask. Just have to actually communicate while you're there heaven, versus heaven going to Google forbid, afterward. I know. <laughs> and that's the other thing, and you nailed it on the head right out of the gate, was the fact that this person, instead of coming, you know, to the, not coming to the server, but asking the server, man, please speak to a manager. This is, I'm not happy with this. Is there something you can do about it? Obviously went straight to a platform and wrote a generous so stars review yeah um instead of doing what you know we always say just just ask just ask just talk to us communicate you know we we're more than we're in the hospitality industry we want to be hospitable that's what we do so ask us i don't know i think um i think i'm going to give him a generous one star yeah very generous <laughs> um, <one>. generous dirt, <laughs> i know dirt star. you're lucky i'm not saying get out 
Uh, but you're just, you're twat waffle. I'm sorry. This was also, if I recall, this was this was one of the first reviews even written about the way back. Oh wow! This wasn't like review number forty five, and we had a four point nine, and this guy was like, "I'm gonna knock him down a little bit." This was like one of the first handful of reviews, wow. if I recall. Wow! Yeah. yeah. Ouch! Brand new restaurant in yeah. a new space. Yeah. And being such a generous jerk. Yep. Wow, that sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, the way back had four and a half stars, to do, you know, according to Google. So yeah. I mean, I I. I don't agree with this guy at all. I, I don't. And I like the way back. I thought you guys had great food. You Thank had you. wonderful cocktails. The ambiance was nice. It was a little darker than I would have liked, but yeah. I, it's, I, it's not the worst thing in the world, you know, as we get older, it's a little harder for us to focus. So yeah. that's the only thing, but I, the music was nice. I had nothing to complain about. Um, but I, I guess I'm just one of those weirdos that kind of takes everything into account. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> I know. So weird. Bill, what are you going to rate this? Uh, I say one giant dirt star. One giant turd star? Uh, close, <laughs> yes. <laughs> dirt star. Third I star. Like I was like, wow, turd star. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to rate uh, that. It basically means the same thing. So, <laughs> Chad Michael George, would you like to rate? I, I mean... I'm pretty sure I banned this person already, so let's just... You want to ban him? I'm 86 him again. Great. Good. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, then you're 86. For no other reason than he thought two stars was generous. And that really is pompous. Yeah. How about I come to your home and give you (laughs) a generous two star about, you know, your home and your decor (laughs) and your music and your food and the strange smells. What a jerk. All right. You're out of there, jerk. Uh, Who would like to read the second one? Uh, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Get it. All right. We're, we're still on the way back here. Three stars. Nice pub like vibe. Appropriately dark inside and the booths are nicely private. The food was fine. Nothing to write home about. The menu rotates reasonably often. So there may be better stuff. The drink menu is solid. Our whole table enjoyed their drinks overall. Okay. But probably not coming back. <laughs> what? Weird. <laughs> I, all these people that don't want to come back. Like it's uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. Nothing to write home about. Well, you know what? That's Luckily for this person, we closed during COVID, so he can't come back anyway. So. Well, you, you know. Did that end up being, that was the, the nail in the coffin, as it were, was COVID? Yeah. So, I mean, we sold the building right before COVID to the same group that bought Larimer Square, and they've been buying uh. a property in this neighborhood. Um, at that point, I stepped away. My partner's signed a lease with that uh, company to keep the restaurant open. They wanted to keep the way back in the neighborhood. Um, and I was just, I was, there were a myriad of reasons, but it was time to step away. Uh, and then, and then COVID happened. And yeah. So October 30th of 2020 was the last service at the way back. Wow. And why did you, you changed locations? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. fast. Yeah. Why was that? Uh, so, well, the, the former Patrick Carroll's space, which was the way back on Tennyson at 3963 Tennyson, became available to purchase. And we always wanted to be on Tennyson, and we thought being on 38th and Raleigh was close enough. Um, and it was. We were doing well there, but we were really missing out on that potential foot traffic that this street has that you don't get on 38th. You know, mm-hmm. 38th is just such a busy thoroughfare. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know... American L moved into to our old space and they've proven that that space is very viable for a successful restaurant. Um, but also they put a ton of money into building a kitchen onto that building and we didn't really want to do that. So, um, you know, we were 
we were basically using a food truck parked behind our building as our kitchen. I remember that. And so yep. when we moved to Tennyson, we had a legit kitchen. We had, you know, a basement with storage and a proper walk-in. And yeah, it was just, it was a more appropriate awesome. spot to fulfill our restaurant hopes and dreams. Yeah. We had been to each of them. We had been to the the original location, the second location. We'd also been to the Wayward. We'd been to the Wayward a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which, man, I missed that lamb shank. <sighs> that was a terrible, terrible idea in hindsight, but but such a great menu and amazing staff and great chef and GM and it was it was incredible outside of the fact that it was way too big for the current you know Denver dining scene and um, yeah. well and the population in that the area where that was because that yeah. was on uh, Little Raven yep. and twentieth. Yeah, we saw the numbers that Zango did in its heyday, and we saw those dollar signs, and we just completely failed. We were just completely blind to the idea that when Zango was was going gangbusters, there was no Union Station. There was nothing between Union Station and Little Raven. You either went to Little Raven and ate, or you went to Lohi, but Lohi, even at that point in time, only had a handful of restaurants. Mm-hmm. And we opened Wayward in 2017, and Lohi was, you know, the hot neighborhood, and Union Station was open, and everything was developing between us and Union Station, and there was just a lot more competition. And we put out an amazing product, um, but it was, you know, 8,000 square feet was about 6,000 too many. Wow. Yeah, Ouch. that's a lot. That's yeah. huge. Because you did, you had the the restaurant separated. It was like... It was almost like you had like an event space that was all, that was more like a party vibe yep. to it, and then you had the dining area, and then you even had like a, a lounge area. Yep. Right. Like, yeah, there was a lot of space. It was a lot. I still live and it. learn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this review. This review. Yeah. There's really not a whole lot of detail. I it was very nice of him to give three stars. Yet again, two faced. I I'm not coming back. Um, I, I would give him one stars if not kick him out. <laughs> yeah, I I would give this person one star too because there really isn't a whole lot There's to nothing. it, right? Like honestly, the the review, even though they say that they're never coming back or anything like that, like they gave it three stars. It, it is it is positive, except they didn't like that the the food essentially like the food was fine right, is what they said. I would disagree because I've had the food and it's better than fine. Um, but there's, there's, like, why is this only three stars and why are you never coming back if only the negative thing was the food was fine? Well, but, but it wasn't just that. It was, you know, maybe there'll be better stuff when they change the menu. That's just rude. That's rude. You don't say that kind of stuff. You know, I, I think a lot of, I think a lot of the younger generations have this taste in their mouth that everything should be amazing and wonderful and just I need to spend so much money and it better taste like the finest yeah. caviar and for me though like but it, you're not it, a younger generation though, if that's the drinks the are solid the for me the drinks will bring me back every time okay but here's the deal again younger generations their palates aren't really 
honed in yet to these type of cocktails. If and this so is if this is a younger generation, uh, I'm happy to charge you 15 bucks for a Ferrari. I got no. no yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, well, he looked like he was in his late 20s, early early oh, okay. 30s. So you, you saw his picture on I Google. I did. I gotcha. did. I can't. I can't seem to copy them on here. But it just, you know, it's they have these ridiculous expectations. I think with a lot of the newer restaurants and. I guess we're not just not meeting it. And so therefore, instead of being, you know, generous in saying the food, you know, it had flavor and it was really good, but it was lacking something. It just wasn't to my liking. It's it's a double faced compliment or or just a flat out nothing, uh, you know, to write home about. And that's that's rude. Don't do that because there are plenty of places where the food is shit. So what would you rate this? I'm going to give him one star. I, you know. Yeah. I, one star, I think. Chad Michael George. I'll, I'll just join the one star train. I'm just, I'm, you know, th- this is all creating a little PTSD. Yes. Um, but he doesn't mention the service. The first person mentioned the service was the bright spot and still gave us two, then one star. And, you know, Brad mentions how he feels about drinks. And my, my philosophy with restaurants is that mediocre mediocre service and great food i'm probably never coming back but great service overpowers even the most mediocre food and i'll go back time and time and time again Mm. and one we didn't have mediocre food we had an incredibly talented kitchen staff led by a great chef at both locations um and obviously i'm partial but i know we also had great service we we took care of our people. They had great attitudes. They understood what hospitality was. They all had that in their genes. And, um, yeah, this person, obviously, it doesn't appear that hospitality even matters to them. So um, I'm okay with the fact that they probably never came back. Fuck this guy. <laughs> 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 yeah. One star overall. Uh, sorry for the PTSD. It's okay. That was, I mean, I've opened a lot of restaurants for myself and for clients and friends. And, but the way back of all of those places was, was my baby more than any of them. And so, and you know, I, I'm not going to say I miss it in a way that I want to do it again because I'm done signing the checks. You Mm. know, uh, I don't, I love this business and I love running places, but, um, but yeah, the way back was like that was that was the the golden child mm. of the fifteen plus years I've been doing this. Mm. Well, I remember when uh, when we the first time we had gone to the way back, and I asked you why the name. I don't sorry if you said this while I was making the cocktails, but why the name the way back? So we went way overboard with this whole process of of naming the restaurant, and you know had a, a a friend in the creative industry that kind of proctored this you know think tank session, and we had a you know dozens of ideas on a on a dry erase board, and we're walking through this whole thing, and but it it came down to the way back multiple times because it was one we thought it was just a good name for a bar or restaurant, but two we were getting the whole point of our concept was getting back to the way we used to do things before we had shortcuts that sacrificed quality and flavor. Um, you know, we were driven largely by my business partner, Cade, and and he was a voracious reader and he was obsessed with Dan Barber, who, um, you know, was obsessed with resurrecting ancient, you know, varietals and grains of different 
you know, uh, plants and vegetables and fruits that have long been forgotten because they didn't provide the same yield, but they indeed provided a much better flavor. You know, we had, our farmers had been pushed to this place where, where all that mattered was yield because they were eking out every penny they could from their crops. And, um, you know, Dan, uh, and Blue Hill and Stone Barns, uh, you know, was kind of a pioneer of bringing back, um, you know, forgotten, um, varieties of, of different plants that just had better flavor. And so that was kind of like the thing that started this whole motion of, of opening the way back and really driving, being, you know, focusing on responsible sourcing and knowing where our food's coming from, from start to finish. And, and we really, you know, we stuck to those, um, ideals from day one and until the bitter end, regardless of the fact that a lot of people pretend like they care about knowing where their food's coming from, Mm -hmm. but really all they care about is perception of value in the end. Like, do I paid 35 bucks for that? Do I feel like that was a good value? And am I, is my belly full? That's really what 95% of people actually care about. So in the, you said you had like a dry erase board full of names. Were you like drinking and getting delirious about what a name could be did you have like any like super fail name like let's call it scooby-doo punch like or- <laughs> so <laughs> i like that so to, to, to be completely transparent the day that we were doing this uh this event with 15 20 friends i had a bunch of dental work done and i got Uh-oh. super sick Oh, oh wow! No. And was on my couch all night so i wasn't even there oh no. um my girlfriend at the time like was taking care of me and I kept like jumping off the couch like all right let's go we got to go and I'd jump up and I'd immediately be like oh my god I'm gonna throw up and I'd lay back down and so I wasn't even there for it but yes there was there were lots of you know mind-altering substances uh you know (laughs) at this meeting um nice and you know lots of friends in in from all walks of life we had you know friends that were carpenters and friends that were in the service industry and friends that were in the creative you know world and and um but yeah, it, it it came down to this pretty quickly, and mm. I'm sure there were a lot of like Molly <laughs> Molly's boomers were like the <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah let's take that one out right away yeah oh my gosh <laughs> oh dear uh, okay uh, so one star all together thank yep. you for that gentlemen shall we go ahead and move into behind bars with you. What do you have for? I know I always hear the music. What do you have for us today? Uh, Oh, wait a minute. I'm so sorry. Should we take a sip of our cocktail? Oh yeah, let's do that. Sorry, so sorry. I I took a sip of it earlier, so I'm. Uh, It's actually okay. Cheers. Citrusy and herbaceous are the words that are coming to mind. That's exactly what I was going for. I I thought it might be. (laughs) Okay, so that's good. Uh, I'm pretty excited about this. I didn't really know where to start. I just uh, thought maybe it might be good to touch on the Bartenders Guild and what exactly it is that y'all do for the industry. Sure. Um, Yeah, the U.S. Bartenders Guild is the national organization. We are uh, a chapter of that organization. And we get to operate pretty, with a lot of autonomy. Um, You know, we, it's been a struggle, not going to lie. we were one of the largest chapters in the country before COVID. Um, you know, I think fourth largest at one point behind Vegas, San Francisco, and Chicago. Wow. Um, all of the chapters struggled after COVID, uh, and during and after. And, you know, now we're just kind of battling to to 
find our footing with this new generation of bartenders that I have come to the difficult realization of that I'm not part of their group. Um, <laughs> just too old now. <laughs> uh, you mean the new generation like yeah. since COVID? Because that's I feel like it's a whole different. It it totally it's completely is completely yeah. different thing yeah. now. So I I work for a a lovely tequila brand called Insolito. Um, everybody check that out. Uh, it's your new favorite tequila. It's new to Colorado, but um yeah. So I'm out every day hitting hitting bars and restaurants, trying to get in front of bar managers and. I still know a lot of people in the business, but I don't know these people anymore yeah. that are running bars for the most part. But the Bartenders Guild, sorry, we got a little sidetrack there. The Bartenders Guild is, you know, our 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 um, our main objective with the Colorado Bartenders Guild is to provide educational and networking opportunities for bartenders or really just service industry people in general. Uh, a lot of our members are not bartenders. A lot of them are uh, restaurant employees of of other ilks, or they are. They, or they work for liquor distributors or suppliers. So we're really just trying to be a network for uh, people in this industry to get together and experience cool stuff, whether it's things like the Leopold Brothers tour, you know. Which was sweet. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get Todd Leopold to, to speak in front of a group, you, you're an idiot if you don't want to be there. He's just, he's such a gem for, for Denver. We're just so lucky. I don't think people realize like how cool that distillery is and yeah. how great Todd is. I'm and, still and like he's processing ours. it. Um, I've been to over 30 distilleries around the world and Leopold Brothers is a top three tour for sure just because it's so unique how they do what they do there. Um, and so just providing opportunities like that for for uh, for folks in hospitality that, that want to be better at their job, that's really all the Bartenders Guild. That's, that's our goal locally. That's, I mean, that's a noble goal yeah. i feel i i've definitely capitalized on some of the those events um you said you mentioned covid mm -hmm. i know that you the bartenders guild had like a fund or something that, yeah. that affected they were they were utilizing to help restaurants and employees through that difficult time yeah so when when the shutdown happened um uh, Amanda Velocio, who deserves a huge shout out f for that, if nothing else, but just also a great person in hospitality. We uh, can do that. We can shout her out. Amanda uh, was our, our president um, at that point, and up until last year, she stepped down, uh, took a job working for Bacardi full-time. But Amanda is a former... Lame. No, I'm just I kidding. Know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Amanda's a former pastry chef, uh, turned front of house uh, badass, and she called me. I was in Dallas quarantining with my sister and her family. And she said, Hey, I want to, I want to do something for the hospitality industry. All these people are out of work and, you know, we want to cook for them. So she got together with, um, with Adam Vero and Jeff Hickman, who are two very talented chefs who had, um, at the time and, and Adam still works for Troy guard. He's, uh, he's, high up the food chain with the garden grace concepts. Um, so we basically, I was in Dallas. I just started emailing and calling suppliers and saying, Hey, we're trying to raise money to cook for the hospitality industry. And we raised, I want to say, I might be misremembering numbers. I think we raised like 40 grand in a week wow. and that, <sighs> provided enough money for Amanda and Adam and Jeff and a, and a slew of volunteers to 
cook twice a week. We distributed meals on, I believe, Wednesdays and, and Saturdays. And I might be misremembering this because it's been a few years now. But twice a week, we were distributing meals at different pickup points. And there were basically three meals in every uh, pickup. So over the course of that almost two months, I th- we ran it for, I think, seven weeks. Um, we we distributed and when I say we, I really mean those three because right. I was in Dallas. I just raised the the money, and then they did the work. Uh, it was it was right around ten thousand meals wow. um, that we made available to the hospitality industry. That's amazing, and really anybody. Um, God, I wish I. Yeah, I think oh. we read a review about one of those. We did. Yeah. yeah. Did you did. did you read so, the the review? Did so we have that review? The or? worst free meal ever. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. So that was we Amanda. Was so, so you do good. know what I'm talking about. Oh my god, it was amazing. That <laughs> yeah. lady, I I Some hope she's okay. Kids. I hope she's okay. I think maybe she was having a mental breakdown yeah. and be able to even write that review about a free meal. A free meal being terrible, but it was amazing. Yeah, food. the the weird the weird white creamy stuff ice <laughs> cream. It was burrata. I know. It was Did burrata. you find it, babe? Uh, no, I'm looking for it. It's it <laughs> it's was in, like, it's in the archives. It was in those who uh, season one episode two. Those, those who, who can, can and those who can. Karen. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Fair. It's, I'll it's have there. to link this to that. Yeah. We get it all figured out. Oh, yeah, I will. Um, I'll make sure to put that uh, that link to that episode. Um, I am sorry for drumming up any you know trauma in that regard. Um, no, that was honestly it was comical. I mean, it, it, you guys remember what it was like then? Everybody was just trying to stay alive and keep their head above water, and was that was lot. almost was that lot. was comic relief. Yeah. I mean, everybody that was involved with we called it it was it was Colorado Family Meal. Uh, that review just got passed around, and everybody was just oh, here we thought we were ahead of the curve. Uh, it was it was <laughs> hilarious, and I mean, it, to the we we found where the lady worked, and we talked about like going to visit her after COVID, and and just like killing her with kindness <laughs> <laughs> because she was a massage therapist at a very fancy hotel wow. in the Denver metro area. Oh, that wow. story checks uh, out. It you know if it's one two three. How, I don't know how many seasons there are but uh something like that but we never did that um but i hope that i hope that she's okay and got came came through covid with her sanity and i don't think she was in a good place when she wrote that so that kind of leads me into a few other questions a little less um uh, well, I don't PTSD? know what the word is. Yeah, less traumatic. Uh, yeah, let's let's only dive deep yeah. into the things that <laughs> are going to trigger Jack. Get after it. It's been a minute. Um, so, family meal and work life balance are two things that you know, like these are concepts that get thrown around a lot and are almost, I think, a joke at this point. Especially since COVID, people are like oh, work life balance, mental health, and they say it, but I don't think you know they, there's really anything that there's no practices uh, at play that make me feel any better or worse about these certain things. You know, like if anything, like I'm working more than I ever was and um, I don't get family meal at any job. It's uh, lucky to get a discount. And that's if you can get away from the bar long enough to just shove some pizza in your mouth, which is kind of the way it's always been. But there was a lot of talk about improving it. And I just not as at least so far as I can tell, I haven't I haven't noticed that much of a change. It could just be the places I'm working, but I just was curious if you had any thoughts on that, like the significance or the importance of these particular terms, philosophies. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right, and there are lots of things that have 
that got thrown, you know, thrown out with the bathwater during COVID and we're trying to bring those back. And that's everything from proper staff training and education to the idea of work-life balance. And I think it's getting better. I mean, just from a hiring standpoint, there are actually people out there that want to work now. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> not maybe to the same levels we were at before COVID, but definitely better than we were last year. Um, family meal, I'll be honest, 99% of the places I've ever worked, it's it's always been kind of a joke anyway. Yeah. Like almost a challenge from whomever in the kitchen was tasked with making family meal to see what kind of shit he can he or she can pull on the staff and get them to eat. Right. Um, which is sad, but... And then you have di- dietary restrictions yeah, but to you, deal with. You also, you're talking about, you're literally asking the hardest working people in the restaurant to do one other, one extra thing right. that maybe doesn't get appreciated as much as it should. And, and, and honestly, I think that's the biggest break in the culture of restaurants, the biggest breakdown that, that needs to be hardcore addressed. And, Things like Denver's rapidly increasing minimum wage aren't helping that because it's just becoming harder as a restaurateur to pay back of house what they deserve when you have to pay your front of house people literally just under $30,000 a year before they make a penny in tips. Um, And we could talk about that for an hour, but... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, we'll have you back for another episode about about wages. Yeah, uh, but yeah, family, I mean... I, I'm a huge fan of pre-shift and having that moment to, um, to emotionally fill the tanks of my hourly employees before they go out and have to emotionally fill the tanks of all right. of their guests. And, you know, family meal is kind of part of that experience. It's hard it, to serve food when you yourself, uh, you know, are running on Pop-Tarts. Yeah, it's difficult to enjoy someone else's experience. It like just from what I, it, from my own experience. Absolutely. Um, one of my favorite books I read recently was Unreasonable Hospitality. Oh, the Jackie just told me to read this book. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Will Will Gadara? I might be butchering his name from Eleven Madison Park fame. He's he is who took Eleven Madison Park to the number one restaurant in the world, uh, and he's a Danny Meyer disciple. So there's a lot of setting the table in his, in his thought process. Um, if not, you have, and not just like setting the table, the restaurant, setting the table, like experience wise for these guests. Yeah. So setting the table is another great book that Danny Meyer wrote. And that's, it's, it's all about hospitality. And then Will wrote a book called unreasonable hospitality. And he talks a lot about filling, you know, the tank of, for okay. his employees and whatnot. And yeah, pre-shift and, and family meal is a huge part of that, especially in, uh, I think any kind of dining atmosphere where you consider yourself, um, where hospitality is is kind of first and foremost in your style of of, of service or style of of place. Um, but I don't have to worry about family meal here because we don't have a kitchen. Well, <laughs> I, I will say just like like a discount on food or what have you or yeah. just like a set breaks and I like I can't believe these words are gonna come out of my mouth, but that's something like View House was actually very adamant about, you know, like you have to take your thirty minutes yeah. even if you've only been here for an hour. Um 
But uh, I just think it's important. Uh, I, 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 I hearken back to that. It's, it's difficult to tend to guest needs when your needs are not being met uh, for whatever reason. Yeah, I think uh, it's... Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I think it's unreasonable as a manager or an owner to expect your hourly employees to walk through the door and have the same buy-in that you have for a place or to, you know, I hate, I hate the, when people say, you know, leave your drama at the door, leave your baggage at the door. We're, we're all human beings. That's easier said than done. Exactly. And so I, I very much believe that, especially with a staff of, of any size whatsoever, whether it's, you know, whether you have three people on a shift or, or 30, having that minute together to really, and it, you don't have to be a hype man to to do it well, but you've got to kind of bring everybody into that same mindset. Like, okay, whatever happened today out there happened, and it's going to be there when you leave tonight as well to deal with. But like for the next six hours, eight hours, ten hours, let's get like, after. We're going to kick ass yeah. and make some people really happy, and they're going to. And when they walk out the door and say we had an amazing time, and you get those endorphins, or you pick that massive tip up off the table you're going to feel good and we're just going to continue rolling that over to the next guest and the next yeah. guest and the next guest. And I think that you need that time with your staff to, to like establish that on a daily basis or you, or there's no reason you should expect to get it. Right. And I, I that's a great way to wrap that up. Uh, one more thing I wanted to talk about, like gentrification is kind of a word that gets thrown around a lot. And like, I just wanted to kind of pick your brain about like opening new projects and contested parts of town, like not so much Tennyson, but you know, like yeah, over in uh, Sloan's Lake, for example, there's a lot popping up over there. Like Colfax is becoming like, or Rhino, Rhino most of be, it was five points. Well, you used to not go to Rhino like yep. ever. Yeah. I used to live there. So right. I know. And I lived at like, 24th and Stout when I first moved here. So, so yeah, yeah, you yeah. get it. So, and like, and I think it kind of like cutting corners versus uh, creating corners to quote uh, Todd Leopold. You know, I feel like these are, these are two sides of the same coin. So I just, yeah, I mean, I have a strong urge to get into um, politics, public, you know, on a on a local level. So you know, I know how many people have asked you to run for something. <laughs> someday well, you maybe. have my vote. You know what? I'll to, let's we're putting it all on the table. The only reason I haven't done it is because I love the people in our industry, and I love hanging out with them, and I love running into them. Like whether it's all of us at the Leopold Distillery tour or. It's, you know, the event we did last Monday night, the fundraiser. I heard I, about that. But I was at work, by the way, and somebody, my boss was like, oh, there's a there's an event over on Tennyson. And I was like, I bet you I know what it is. <laughs> I can't fathom having to spend my days and nights dealing with that circle versus our circle. And that's the only reason I've never done it. I, I hated my life once upon a time when I worked in big finance and I left to go work in restaurants for a quarter of the money and it was the best decision I ever made. And I think that I would immediately regret it just because I've, I love this business because of the people and save my friends that are in politics that might be listening to this, that are amazing, <laughs> but they are also the ones that are like, don't do it, Chad, don't do it. And I, I see their lives and I see what they do and the glad handing and the, you know, the events they have to do. And I don't, I don't want anything to do with that, but, to your to your question or, or point bill I mean I don't I don't know how much 
is really on restaurateurs, bar owners in the gentrification realm. I th- it's obviously a problem, especially in, in towns like Denver that are growing faster than, that we, than we can up keep with. up with. And, um, and it's, you know, it's definitely, it's something that I think needs to be addressed. But I mean, our, in that same realm, just the, the cost of living, the cost of housing, um, you know, with Eat Denver, we're contemplating, do we get involved with lobbying the government for more um, affordable housing specific to our industry as well? Um, that would be huge, I feel. Well, it would the, be. the bill that Polis was trying to push through, yep. a lot of that was intended to also help you know like the the resort towns the ski towns right like you well, can work in aspen us, yeah yeah but, but you, you don't can't get to live, live there. there yeah and i i i take issue with that like it's I, i've worked in country clubs golf clubs you know i've worked in really high-end places and it's like i'm still eating mcdonald's after work and i like there's nothing wrong with that i ate mcdonald's the other day and it was delicious <laughs> so <laughs> cover your ears samantha uh-huh. uh but it was it, it had been to that point where i was like okay this is best option for me i need it like and it, it happens but it, it it is a huge source of contention for me and i know a lot of other people you know like it's it's hard to put on a tie and smile and glad like press the flesh as you say when you're like oh my god i haven't eaten in 10 hours and you're serving up these these fancy meals and these like high-end cocktails it just i don't know it's i mean it goes back to uh you know just uh the mindset of it it's hard to buy into some of the pillars of hospitality when you yourself are not a recipient of them recipients recipient recipients uh so it it just it's it's easy to get down on yourself and lose you know lose some of the passion at least in my experience when like when you're just burning yourself out just to make ends meet like yeah it's tough and again i mean i think we're in a special somewhat of a special situation being in denver but like Brad said, the mountain towns, the housing issue is, is way worse way than worse, it is here. Yeah. Um, but then also there's just the, the, the idea of upward mobility. We're, I, I really, I love to think of this business as a career and I think it can be a career for anybody. But when, when I see bartenders who are ready to like make a move to like the distributor or supplier side and I see supplier brand ambassador positions posted based in Denver in the salary range is forty to sixty thousand dollars. It's I can make that as a bartender. Exactly. Working like, why, three days why a week. Would, yeah. <laughs> why, Depending. It's not been happening you, lately, but yes. Or I get text messages or emails a few times a week from from former clients or friends like, hey, we're looking for a floor manager or an assistant GM or this or that. And I'm like, how much are you pay? Yeah, what's the starting wage? Forty five, fifty grand. <laughs> like no one can do that. So I mean I th- we all know that this industry is is largely if if it's not broken, there are some serious cracks in the foundation. Yeah, and a lot is going to have to change to make it better. One being, we're just going to have to be paying more for our food. Like prices have not gone up anywhere near at the same rate as labor costs and food costs right. have gone up. Yeah, but oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, <laughs> but it needs to. But the fact of the matter is, we can't even have that conversation as a community because. For instance, you know, Eat Denver. If somebody has that conversation in our email group, I have to. It has to immediately be shut down because it's a trade. It's a it's a violation of a trade organization. It's price fixing. 
So we can't even as a group say, hey, guys, we should raise prices. That's illegal, which is crazy to me because everyone needs to do it on their own, but no one's doing it on their own because then they're the only one who did it and they have lost their perception of value. So I think we're just going to see more people with these 20 plus percent service charges and still allow tipping, which I also absolutely fucking hate. It drives me crazy. Yeah, I, I, I have opinions about the yeah. automatic gratuity as well. It's we just had ridiculous. that discussion um, when we had Bree from CityCast Denver on about, uh, because they did a couple of episodes about tipping fatigue and how people are very you know, unsure of like, well, this place charges a three and a half percent surcharge. This place is a 20% surcharge. This place doesn't do it at all. Like what, what's going on? Am I supposed to tip on top? What am I like? It, all of the, that stuff the is verbiage. The way they phrase it, I think is a big part of it. Like auto, automatic 20% go like, that's not the same thing as a surcharge. Right. Or like, um, Bill, I wanted to say two things about, uh, um, in different spots of of your of your segment here, and I'm going to just make them real quick. One was having to do with family meal and you know and breaks and whatnot. My personal opinion is that we actually and and Chad, you might be able to to push some of this. Is I think that um, we need the the health and wellness aspect of things to also include how to. Uh, how to handle ourselves outside of work, how to handle our time, and and really importantly, how to handle our finances. I think that most people in our industry have no clue how to handle their their own personal finance, right? We had like, we had three weeks of it in 11th grade or something like yeah. that. And other than that, we don't like, we don't know to at home, make ourselves food before we go to work, make ourselves something we can snack on while we're at work. We don't know how to set money aside and not, oh man, Tony really sucked. I got cut after an hour. I'm really sad. I'm going to go to to the bar next door yeah. and, and drink. Spend all the right? money. And then spend yesterday. all the money you made. Yeah, exactly. Like We don't know how to handle ourselves that way. The other thing was regarding your gentrification. And Chad had I said I know that, that's a tough word no, to no, digest. But, but, but Chad made a really good point. Uh, saying that he wasn't really sure, you know, that, or not that he wasn't sure, but it's not really the, like, the restaurants aren't responsible for it. No, right? that's, I'm I, not saying that either. No, 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 I know you're not, but I was going to point out uh, two instances of one gentrification of the ballpark area over, you know, it started, you know, 25 years ago. And look at that. It's a mess. It's a, well, and, but like, El Chapultepec hung on forever. Right. That place was a dive jazz bar, and they hung on forever. And finally, you know, closed. Had to cave. And then the Dirk uh, Spintleys. And then Larimer was, uh, you know, the or, you know the market Larimer area um, had already been gentrified, and now it's getting regentrified, yeah. and the restaurants there almost all have taken a hit because of it. Like there were already great restaurants, yeah. but now a new ownership group comes in, takes over the whole block, and a lot of them are like, all right, I, like, I can't now afford this regentrification. Right. right. I can't afford for my rent now to go up another 50% because they're going to do some remodels on some buildings. Right, that are all around you, which is right. essentially going to create more competition. <laughs> yep. So I just want to. No, put no, those I appreciate that. I, I don't really, I didn't expect any like conclusive answers. I just wanted to have a dialogue about it. Like, I oh, I'm all opinion. <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> be, it's gonna be interesting to see 
what happens with you know the current economic situation if we end up like in a legit recession. I mean, downtown is still downtown is still over fifty percent empty as far as office space goes. And I think I mean I hope that we end up with more landlords that actually understand that they need to be financially connected to the success of their tenants as well. Um, You know, there I know a lot of bar and restaurant folks are pushing for more, uh, you know, leases that are, that are percentage rent based or percentage sales based, uh, for that purpose. And there are landlords out there that are, that are moving to that situation. Um, because then they're, they are directly tied to the success, uh, and or failure of a, of a business. Um, and not just, just, you know, raking in the dough regardless of what happens. Denver, Denver commercial real estate investors are pretty much universally requiring personal guarantees. So that means if the four of us were to sign a lease for a space for, you know, 10 grand a month for the next, you know, five years or whatever, and if we go out of business next month, we're all personally liable for the full value of that right. lease. And, and that they is, can that come seems after. absurd to me. Yeah. You say if we sign. <laughs> I say when. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So I feel like I if I hope there is no recession. I hope that if there is a recession, that it's strong enough that the people with the piles of money understand that there needs to be somewhat of a redistribution of wealth and yeah. and things like, are built in a different way to help people succeed rather than just be preyed upon when things don't go perfect. I, yeah, I think you said that better than I could have so uh, I, th- I think that's a good place to wrap that's a meaty behind bars with Bill I've been thinking about this one for a minute I you know lots of I didn't even hit all the things I wanted to hit lots of we never do beef. lots of lots of beef. girth yeah lots of girth <laughs> Lots of girth. It was a very girthy segment. <laughs> it was. I mean, usually Bill has some really great questions and conversations uh, and uh, between either our guests and him or Brad and him. I usually stay out of it. Or but even this, sometimes in his own and, head. Yes, <laughs> with Bill and William and Tyler. Uh, but I, the Bellinator. Yeah, but it just, uh, this this was very heavy. I mean, it really uh, was. There's uh, a lot. There's a lot. And it's, thank you for sharing, Chad Michael, George. I, you know, coming from your end of it, a perspective that the three of us don't have, you know, being an owner and being not just the bartender, the the cocktailologists, as I like to call <laughs> the craft cocktail bartenders, um, but coming from the, the owner's end of it and having to look at all the things that I've never even thought about. You know, it's a lot of information, so thank you for that. Of course. Um, and those were great questions, Bill. Good job. I mean, like, par- par- thank you. Uh, part of it comes, like, I mean, I recently started working at this place, and it's in a pretty decent area, but they've had their front window broken twice. They've been open for two months, and, like, their main display has been broken twice. And, like, that's kind of the stuff I'm talking about. Like, I understand on both sides. Like, as a business owner, like, how do I deal with this shit? But on the other side is, like, just being poor and pissed off. Like, what are these people doing moving into my, you know, like. Chad, how do you feel about bulletproof glass? (laughs) (laughs) Big proponent. I think it's I think it's smart. I mean, like you joke, but I well, no, like, I mean you won't have to change out the glass. Yeah, and and people, I mean, that sort of thing happens. Yeah. Uh, even in Denver, you know, it's it's, it's sad. Okay, moving on to main course. Yeah. Let's, 